Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. The WTF1 Post-Race Podcast. Oh, Canada. CCTV fails, groundhogs running wild, and a copious amount of rain meant we lost pretty much a full practice session on the Friday. That led to a very entertaining qualifying in mixed conditions on Saturday. But ultimately, it was a dry race, which... Max Verstappen, shock horror, one. But you know all of the key bits already. That's why we're here to discuss all the other big WTF moments of the race. And to do just that with myself, Harry Benjamin, is Callan O'Keefe, as always. And our special guest this week is none other than the F1 game's very own Devon Butler. But <laughs> thankfully, Devon's busy. So we have the actor that plays him, Adam Sanderson. Welcome, Adam. How are you? Hello. How are you doing? I'm good. Glad to be here. People are going to recognise your face and voice as well as being the. Uh, are you? Are you the well, villain? Is it the villain? I want to preface first off oh, you by are... saying, yeah, I'm the face and I do the facial acting. And there's another guy called Mr. Ben Zenu, who does the uh, the voice and the body acting. So it's a, it's a split role. That's it's so complicated. It, it is. It is. It's because of when it was when the character was found back in 2018 uh, for the 2019 game. They had. Mr. Dan Benzenu before, and then decided for whatever reason they wanted a different face. So they got me involved. I did the face and the facial acting, and that is how it is. Do you, well, do you kind of take that as, as as you have a like a villainous face? Is that is that producing <laughs> here? I'm not being funny, well, but it seems to be that I do get cast quite a lot as as the villain. And whatever, I'll take it. Typecasting just means I get more jobs. Well, exactly. Fine Surely it's more fun to play like an evil character. Oh, 100%. Right? Yeah, absolutely. It's If you think of any good any good story, say, for example, James Bond. You remember the James Bond films that have the best villains. If you don't have a good villain, you haven't got a good story. No, this is I keep telling I myself a lie anyway. What, what yeah. a sales pitch. I, I want the job now. I, yeah. can, I, can I be the next one, the next F1 game? You're no. asking the wrong guy, but absolutely. <laughs> Uh, Callan, you can make your own character and you can play as an F1 driver. That'll be fun, you, wouldn't it? You got you. Whoa, yeah, maybe. Maybe I would have yeah. won a bit more races as well. That would yeah, be a good maybe. one. Maybe. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, Adam, as well as obviously being quite a big part of, of the F1 game franchise, mm. the new F123 game is out now as well. And we did a cool video uh, with you playing Devin. It's on the WTF1 YouTube channel. Uh, yeah, you really, really went in on me. I was quite. You know, <laughs> he was honestly so harsh to me. I'm not not everything funny, but... made the edit. I don't <laughs> no, know. I was just about to say the exact same. They cut out half this bit where we were just bickering back and forth. Yeah. But uh, it's still a good sense of it. <laughs> honestly, you're a good actor because it really cut deep in there with me. Yeah, I wasn't um, acting. <laughs> let's not go there again. <laughs> I thought we left Devon at home. <laughs> Look at how quickly that face changed. Um, not at all. Clearly, so. you're a part of the F1 game and the F1 world. Uh, from an acting sense but you are a big f1 fan as well oh, what massive. have you what have you made of the season so far before we get stuck uh, stuck in to all things canada yeah well um well first off yeah i'm a massive lifelong f1 fan my earliest memories are me holding a screwdriver helping my dad with diy around the house while we still had either the race on the radio or on the tv so i've been following the sport 
for as long as I can remember. Um, but this season, it's <laughs> it's a very, very interesting season because I'm not really looking at P1. I'm looking at P2 downwards because it's almost assuming that every single race, Max is going to be stonking ahead. And the main action, the main crux of the entertainment is behind him. We'll see. Later on in the season, Max might get caught up by the extra wind tunnel time that other teams have got and and all the goodies yeah. that follow that. But for now, it's it's P2 down for me. Max yeah, has got I, it in the bag. Yeah. Well, we'll is, we will come on to that for yeah. sure. Uh, but Callan's making a face. Why are you making a face? <laughs> I I love the optimism, but every time we, I like, and I and I, the the people at home will probably be saying this. Mm. Every, I I was so enthusiastic after the first few podcasts where I was like, someone's going to challenge him, and now I'm just like, yeah. I but you do make a really good point. I think like from a from a sporting point of view and from a fan's point of view, it is massively highlighting that there is more than just the race for P1. There's a bigger race going on, and obviously. We are seeing some teams bring their upgrades yeah. now. Obviously, we've seen Mercedes. It, it looks like actually their upgrades are working. So let's let's hope that you're right. You come back on in a few races time. Someone's finally toppled the yeah. rain. And um, yeah, we can we can say that you were right and you called it. You were the first one to do it. Probably the only one who's saying it as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I mean, it, you've got to stay optimistic because it, the more it continues like this, the more people are going to be saying, oh, well, who's going to get P2 rather than who's going to win? You know, it's it will change the dynamic of the conversation. But I have every faith that Max will eventually get challenged for P1. Well, well you know if, what? We're here. So we may as well go into it with Verstappen straight away. And and the a big story, you know, all the stats going out, 41st yeah. career win yeah. equals Ayrton Senna, 100 Grand Prix victories for Red Bull, 200 for Adrian Newey as well. But he hit a bird during that race. (laughs) Have you seen the images? That bird was fried in the breakdowns. I feel feel quite sorry for the wildlife around around Montreal. But even even with that bad luck, it still wasn't enough to do anything to deter him from winning. And I suppose that the question is, are we actually we gloss over it and we go, oh, he's yeah, P1's a dad, blah 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 blah. Mm. But are, are we paying that enough attention? Because what what they are doing, Verstappen and Red Bull as a duo, is is something quite incredible, right? Oh, absolutely. It's, it's definitely incredible and a sight to behold. It's, But it's not, it doesn't make for the greatest spectator sport if you are wanting to see who's going to challenge for P1. I mean, hit, hitting that bird strike and still managing to get P1 by such an amazing margin is incredible, especially when you compare it to Perez's performance. Mm. Like you hear about bird strikes taking down small planes and, Everyone says an F1 car is an upside down aircraft. Hasn't managed to take him down yet, but it's we'll see. But like I said, I've got to stay optimistic. It's it's still an incredible feat for not only Max but Adrian Newey and and everyone involved, I guess. And I think out of all the places to do it as well, like we know Montreal is mm. such a track that's so focused on heavy braking. It's it's literally just big braking zones. Yep. To lose effectively, you know, a well, well one quarter of your braking potential and still win the race. That's exceptional, yeah. and it shows really Man. what a great job they're doing. And and it's the point that you made, Adam. It's it's not Perez doing. It's not a it's not a Red Bull one two. It's Max and Red Bull doing the job together. And yeah. again, we all want to see excitement. We all want to see it. But as as you said, sometimes it's easy to overlook. Actually, this is going to go down as one of the great combos of the sport in terms of driver and team because they are just completely dominant. What a job they're doing. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent right. Well, 
that was at the top of uh, the field. And Max Verstappen, once again, as we said, getting another win on the board and extending his gap at the front, which I believe is 69 points now uh, to Sergio Perez in second. So it's quite a margin. Tell you what was a good day, though, uh, Callan, and we can get a little bit strategic here. Um, For Ferrari, who actually (laughs) made a strategy work after the disaster of qualifying... (laughs) Fourth and fifth, Leclerc and Sainz making the tyres last. Um, if they had started higher up, I, I reckon they could have been on the podium or at least challenging it. I mean, this is the thing that kills Ferrari fans, right? It's the hope because they get it right at some point and everyone goes, finally, we're in the position where they Once can, in a season. They, they, yeah. Exactly. I mean, if you make enough bad calls, eventually you're going to get one correct, aren't you? But <laughs> no, 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 no disrespect to Ferrari. Yeah, it was, it was actually a, a very strong call from them. They managed to recover from a very difficult qualifying and, and actually, yeah, I think this race, they certainly showed that they had a little bit more potential um, coming back into the, you know, you know, let's call it the next part of the season when everyone's bringing the upgrades. And I don't know necessarily if they would have had the pace to challenge because, you know, modern day Formula One is, is all about getting to the finish line in the most efficient way possible, using the least amount of energy in terms of tyres and, and the, you know, the consumables, the power units and stuff. So maybe the other front three had more in reserve and it was a bit of a stalemate. That's what it kind of looked like to me, but at least positivity, we're seeing some hope. We're seeing some good decision making, and and hopefully with more of that will come them. You know them being more in the mix. Absolutely. Although I must admit, I would have loved to have seen science pushing a bit more. I know we got the radio message. Just ease off a little bit. You know, don't overtake Leclerc. I completely understand why they did that because exactly what you're saying, Callan. They kind of wanted one to go right, and they didn't want yeah. the collision. They wanted to get the points in because they were just starting to falter race on race. But I would have liked to have seen it, but. It is what it is. And what yeah. a battle that would have been as well. Like Obviously, they're, they're not fighting for a championship, are they? Yeah. There is this constant swing as well in Ferrari. Like most teams have a defined number one or number two. Mm. I don't really get the feeling, especially with Charles making the errors he's making at the moment. No. There's not really a defined number one in Ferrari anymore. And, and if there is, then certainly it's being questioned. So to see Carlos challenging and fighting, I think is going to be important for the future years because if they are going to get to the top, they need to choose which horse they're going to back. See, I love the fact that there isn't a, a number one at Ferrari or a clear-cut number one when you think it should be Leclerc, the golden boy, the Ferrari man through and through, up yeah. through the junior ranks. And I, I'm a science fan. I love the fact that he's kind of the underdog and going up against it. He's hopped from team to team uh, after you know leaving Red Bull, went to Renault, didn't he? Basically did everything... Well, he, he was the one in front of Daniel Ricciardo, wasn't he? So if he went to Renault, he left Renault, then Daniel Ricciardo went to Renault, then, then Sainz went to McLaren, and then he left McLaren, then Ricciardo went to McLaren. So I, I just love the fact that he was just doing all of that. Yeah. His career was going left, right and centre. And now he's la- landed at the most prestigious team in the world and he's holding his own. And he's actually kind of up there with Leclerc. Although, what did you make, Callan, of all the qualifying impedingness? That's not a oh. word. But Sainz was being... <laughs> I mean, Sainz came out fighting, saying I wasn't the only one being impeded. But he, I mean, he got a penalty for it, and it, and he was the one that the cameras picked up most often doing it. But it is so difficult to stay out of the way in qualifying. It is technically a street circuit, which makes it harder, right? But I mean, come on. The the problem is right, and it's exactly what what Pierre said when he came over the radio. It's the closing speed. So, and I think that's that's something that a lot of people who haven't driven a race car won't appreciate. You look in your mirrors when you go down the back straight, you see nothing. 
all of a sudden you look again and there's a race car closing at 300 plus kilometers an hour and it's just the nature of the circuit and we see it you, you know we used to see it at the old circuit of catalonia a lot it's anywhere where track positioning is very very important but also it's a long straight into a slower section where they're all fighting mm. for position and unfortunately the way that formula one works as well is every engineer wants to optimize everything because the margins are so small so they find out when the optimum window is on track and they all try and go for that optimum window now obviously depending on what session is in qualifying it's it's minimum 10 cars all trying to go into the same window with one or two outliers who are trying something different and yeah it's 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 the, the other flip side is obviously they have a lot of technology they have a lot of like very very accurate radar that the engineers can use to warn the drivers but you know, you, you think that you're all clear, you're fighting for track positioning, you're, you're doing, racing drivers are selfish, they're trying to set themselves up. And then all of a sudden, a race car appears at 300 plus kilometers an hour into a big braking zone, where it is very tight, and there's no margin to, to get out the way, because it is, a as you said, it's a sort of street circuit. So I think Carlos probably just defending himself a little bit. We did see a lot of, um, in, in, I don't know what the word you just used was, in, impedingness. Impedance. <laughs> impedingness we saw a lot of impedingness <laughs> from other people and yeah he was but the, you know the penalty was deserved and and obviously it, it's just something that we we see year on year it's not something it's it's the same as the the slipstream madness we see every year whenever we go to monza it's just a characteristic yeah. of the circuit isn't it yeah, yeah it's just that especially that chicane that chicane breeds safety cars obviously i know it's in qualifying but it just does the wall of champions and also that chicane especially on the restarts that chicane getting around and trying to get a jump in your competitors is coming out of that corner it's brilliant. No brilliant one hit corner. it though. No one. No one hit it, which I was very surprised at. No one had a well, big maybe crash. if Russell stayed in the race a bit longer, he might have. Well, oh, <laughs> what a beautiful segue. You can come back. You know you what are, you're doing, you don't you? Uh Georgie boy. Oh dear. Big mistake yeah. from him. Uh, what I was more impressed of, though, was that he managed to get back to the pits. And I was saying, that's day done. That that's not going out. He's finished. Yet they clearly got it into some sort of limp home mode and put him out again i mean yeah. it was all a bit for nothing really because he couldn't do any overtaking and in the end it was just preventing the inevitable really wasn't it yeah i mean yeah, i guess well, it was good data gathering if anything i know it might have... did he did he say on the radio that he feels like the chassis bent or something yeah yeah i mean data is data you know put him back out there you got nothing to lose he was always and it's gonna... also you know you Sorry. never know he gets lucky like obviously he lost a lot of yeah. pace from the hit because he's He's done a lot of damage to it. You can see that there's there's some structural damage to the suspension mm. or chassis or drivetrain, whatever it was. Um, but we get a bit lucky. It's Canada. The rain comes down. You get a, a late safety car, whatever it is, red flag where they can repair. You you always have to hedge your bets. And then it gets to a point where eventually it's it's past the point of, of no return, isn't it? And it's, mm. it's worth retiring the car. But 10 out of 10 to Mercedes for at least trying. Because mm. he, when the car was crawling away from the wall at, at turn eight, I think it was turn nine, just before the hairpin, I was like, there's no way that day is continuing for George. But somehow he managed to limp it back home and, and keep it going. But you know what he said, though? Although, I mean, it was absolutely his mistake. He got up onto the sausage curb, which is kind of waiting for you on the other side of, 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 the, of the runoff area. Yeah. And that kind of launched his car probably a bit, a little bit further than, than was really uh, the necessary. May, I, I don't know... If you could have said without the sausage curb, he wouldn't have hit the wall, but it certainly didn't help. And and sausage curbs, it's not the first time we've we've had a go at these things for launching cars in the air and actually causing more damage than than good, right? It's, it's something no, we've got to say. But I mean, his, his entrance to that uh, section of of curbs 
caused him to go onto that sausage curb. You can't put all the blame on the sausage curbs. Everyone else managed to avoid it, you know? And I completely agree with with the fact that, yes, sausage curbs are dangerous and there's a time and a place. But in that section, I mean, like, as you were saying, it's technically meant to be a, a street circuit. That's in place of like a, a barrier as such. So it wants to punish you for messing up that section of track. In that section, I don't mind sausage curbs. When you're talking about places in like, I don't know, turn one of Austria and when there's damage for no real reason, that's when I feel like sausage curbs shouldn't really be a thing. But in that section in, in Canada, I don't mind it. Which is yeah, we we also saw Carlos. He was he was making a move on lap one. He got up mm. over the sausage curb and kept it out of the barrier. We also saw Max do it as well midway yeah. through the race. You know, it is it is possible to hit a sausage curb without hitting the barrier. It's just if you hit it wrong. You know, these Formula One cars or, or single seaters in general, they run so low to the floor. Mm. As soon as you bottom out, you lift all the wheels off the deck, and then you're just a passenger yeah. on you and kind of half corrected it, but overcorrected. And exactly like you said, I think there's there's a we have to make sure the drivers get penalized because that's part of what makes them the best in the sport. And yeah. at slow speed sausage curbs, they don't tend to cause injuries. It's more at high speed, like Monza, for example, when we, we used to have them, have them on the exit of Parabolica, for example, the last yeah. corner, that's when they're really dangerous. Yeah, so yeah, absolutely. I, I think, yeah, it's, it's just a driver error at the end of the day. And unfortunately, you know, a couple of drivers got away with it, but uh, uh, George didn't. So yeah. one to learn. Yep. Second retirement of the season for George. Um, so bad day at the office for Russell. Um, bad day at the office as well. If we go a little bit further down the field uh, for Alpha Tauri overall, but particularly Nick mm. DeVries. Don't uh, say it. Don't old, say it. Poor old oh, Nick. Come on. I'm, <laughs> I'm in the Netherlands. I've just been allowed back. <laughs> come on. We haven't quite was... got we haven't quite got to our podium yet, but I think you know where oh, I'm going yeah. with this one. Oh, <laughs> poor Nick. He just can't get a break. And Kevin Magnussen. Now, it was this weird incident, right? I mean, they were having quite a juicy battle for no points at that time. Um, and it was very reminiscent, I thought, to when, uh, if you cast your mind back to Austria 2016, uh, Nico Rosberg on the final lap, basically pummeling down the inside of Hamilton, locking up. And then, oh, was it the other way around? I can't remember now. But one of them was on the inside and then locked up and they both had to run out wide and one of them got damaged. I think it was Rosberg on the inside because Rosberg got the penalty. So it was very similar. De Vries on the inside of Magnussen coming into the right-hander of turn three. And basically, Magnussen couldn't go anywhere. They kind of interlocked wheels and off they both went. No penalty for anyone. Which, <sighs> to be I honest... Don't, I don't well, think that's a bad thing. I really don't think that's no? a bad thing. No, because, you know, and a lot of it comes down to who the driver's steward is. But if you look at that move from a, like, let's let's look at it from a racing driver's perspective. Obviously, Nick's gone down the inside of K-Mag into turn one. That's a that's a classic move. Um, didn't quite get the move done. But also in that situation, you know, Nick could have rolled off the brake and, and forced the issue more. Kevin could have backed out of it. But then Kevin goes sort of just on the racetrack. Literally, his left wheels are just touching the wide line. So technically, he's within the regulations. But he... He mounts the curb and then kind of like pods off to freeze. Then Nick gets alongside him and is kind of like repaying the favor again. They both break very, very late and both outshoot their braking. Magnuson probably would have had to take avoiding action to go across the chicane, which isn't allowed. And Nick obviously just helped him into the, the escape area there. And I think it's it's probably one of those things where you can't really penalize one driver because they both they both could have avoided the incident. Yeah. And I, for one, I, I don't know what you guys think, but I'd rather see that 
being the, the sort of narrative with the driver stewarding and penalties because if you're going to let drivers fight and they're both going to do you know silly stuff mm. let them walk away without a penalty because they both got penalized anyway yeah no, i do think i think you're absolutely right but nick de vries this season and it's been highlighted in this race he it. i mean i'm gonna be funny well why should i not say that nick de vries is just driving so poorly <laughs> Yeah, no, he is. I, I keep trying to defend every. Yeah. I don't know if, you, if you've ever listened to this before, every single podcast, I try and defend Nick, oh. but he's just not making my life easy. He doesn't he, um, make himself. He was oh. in the car, so because you didn't know I was in Canada, by the way. And um, <laughs> and there's this Canada has got really shocking parking for the media. It's absolutely <laughs> shocking. You basically go along this kind of one way road, and the left hand side is the is the um, the rowing basin where they did the Olympics, and, yeah. then, and then you get onto the main island of, of where the uh, where the track is. So that's on the left hand side, and the right hand side is basically a grass bank where they put the cars. So you just got to try and find a place. And of course, it rained so much, so you could mm. not get up onto the grassy banks, and there was so much traffic. So the drivers all have reserved spots, and it was hilarious because uh, the, the two Ferrari drivers, of course, driving Ferraris, they couldn't couldn't get their cars up on the bank. <laughs> so Leclerc and Sainz had to get out, and somebody else drove their car further down. But That's then right. on Sunday, the rain uh, had just caused havoc, really, from the previous night. It was mud everywhere. It was traffic galore. We were sat there in our car running late, and it, the car in front of us was a, was a Honda. And um, we didn't know who it was, but people were waving to, to the guy in the car all the time. We're like, who is it? Who do you reckon it is? Uh, and then we were literally about two hours away from lights out. No, no one's moving. And then Nick DeVries pops out, little wave. Hi, Nick. All right. I'm not slagging you off on the podcast. It's all good. And then... We're all friends here. <laughs> we're all friends. And then he starts running. And then straight away, look behind us, K-Mag's running as well. So maybe it was all planned from the start they would collide with each other because they were both stuck in the car park together as well so i'm not being funny i thought that story was going somewhere else i thought he was going to say that what they had he's managed to park it wrongly and dipped his no thing is they weren't even they weren't even driving only the only drivers i've actually seen drive their actual cars are was leclerc in in the ferrari actually no that's a lie and george russell he was driving this massive mercedes thing this summer hello fresh is here to take the work out of eating well reach your goals with delicious calorie smart and protein smart lunch and dinner options plus new vegan recipes too hello fresh delivers mouth-watering chef crafted recipes and fresh ingredients to your door so you can spend your summer doing well whatever you want stuck in a recipe rut take a bite out of something new with 40 recipes to choose from weekly with options to please even the pickiest eaters you'll always find meals everyone at the table will enjoy and HelloFresh's meal kits could not be easier to use trust me everything comes pre-portioned with simple instructions so you won't use them too much of one ingredient and not enough of another previously i'd often buy takeout now i'm saving time and money cooking up a storm in the kitchen so if you want to eat well this summer go to hellofresh.com wtf16 and use code wtf16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping that's hellofresh.com wtf16 and use code WTF16 for 16 free meals plus free shipping. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. But anyway, we digress massively there. Um, so the, uh, bad days for DeVries and Magnuson. Yeah. Um, but no one at fault. Fine. Happy days. Uh, good day. Very good day. All round for Alex Albon Callan oh. in the Williams. He had the upgrades and he really yeah. fought hard for a seventh place. 
Yeah, what a drive. I mean, you know, obviously a great qualifying performance as well. You know, the general rule, the first driver to switch on to slicks who gets it right, obviously it pays the dividends and, and it really worked for him in, in, in qualifying. And I thought he was going to go backwards in the race. I don't know about you guys, but I I thought it was going to be a case of, well, mm. good job in quality. We'll take that as a as a small W and then you can engage reverse and, and end up where you normally do. But he, he did a remarkable job just yeah. keeping everything in the window, staying on the tire as long as he did was ridiculous. And yeah, what a result for him. Absolutely. When he was re- leading that train towards the end of the race, he held his own and everyone else was like, swapping positions behind him with DRS to and from, but he, he kept it. And I was I was really happy for him. Yeah, He's had a lot of bad luck throughout the years. Yeah, exactly. That was his first yeah. point since the start of the year, I think, as well. And, and especially because yeah. that midfield points. is now so tight that mm. uh, out, uh, him getting seventh was compounded Alpha Tauri's day, for instance, because now Alpha Tauri go right to the bottom of the constructors. Williams jump them. So it's a huge yeah. day for them, in, in, not in a good way for Alpha Tauri. Um, and because I was in Canada, by the way, uh, I was in, in the paddock. Where, uh, where were you at the weekend? Sorry, I was what? at the, the circuit Gilles Villeneuve, or as the sat in the car said circuit gilles villeneuve uh, <laughs> out of the paddock after the race we were just waiting and alex album came out from uh, like the fia uh scrutineering garage and everybody in the paddock was just, just like smiling he got an applause he was getting cheers just from everybody walking by it was just so he's clearly such a a well-liked guy um he wasn't on the podium though still a bit off that for the williams but never say never it was an old podium sort of for two but it was a heavyweight podium don't you think we had 11 mm. drivers world championships represented and that was only from the drivers did it can't even count adrian newey's counters i think he's won about 12 in total he <laughs> if you talk about the goat of formula one it's not a driver it's adrian newey let's be honest yeah um, but i mean see the airflow yeah he is <laughs> a genius although maybe he's now counting down to retirement but adam alonso hamilton up there along with yeah. verstappen I th- that was a really good podium. Even though we could predict Verstappen up there, there was a good fight for second and third. And Alonso and Hamilton gave it a good go. And mm. everyone was very happy and smiley on the podium. It was quite nice to watch. Yeah, I feel like as though that podium represented exactly where they are in the constructors, obviously. <laughs> At the end of the season, that's exactly where I feel like it's going to be. Max top. Uh, Alonso and then Hamilton maybe Perez might pip Alonso sure but that's how it's going to end up and I feel like in sitting in that uh, winding down room they were just sitting in acknowledgement like yeah this is where we sit it's Mm. nice that's why I feel like there wasn't as much animosity as we have seen over the years between all of those guys you know do you reminiscent as well of like what we've seen sort of if you you know for the older fans if you Mm. cast back to when Alonso and Hamilton were teammates and when at McLaren yeah. and they were absolutely trying That's to like, just do anything they could to get the upper hand. And now it's like, yeah. they're actually happy to see each other in the podium room together because... Well, as as you said, Adam, that's that's kind of the state of the sport now, isn't it? Yeah. Well, how times change. Yeah. Or was it all for show? Or do they still have a Ooh. seething anger underneath? Well, you know, know, you're the actor. So... You never know. Yeah. <laughs> the amount of media training these guys must have had, you never know. That is true. It also <laughs> sparks the question a little bit. Mm. Look at uh, Alonso 41, Hamilton 38, Max Verstappen 25. Alonso clearly wants to go on a little bit longer. Hamilton's on the verge of perhaps signing a contract extension, whereas Max Verstappen is achieving amazing things at the age of 25. Do you think we could still see Verstappen in Formula One for another 20 years? Or do you reckon nah. he would have clocked well out by then? Nah, he would have gone by then. He's no. 
Please, no. All Dominic <laughs> Reigns have to come to an end. Someone else. Mick DeVries, I, I, all the way. Yeah. Come on, Mick DeVries, <laughs> let's go. The Dutch no. anthem lives on. Um, Didn't Max no, say I, that he wants to try out different, like, Different racing styles and everything. Like I don't think he's going to have endurance the, yeah. And stuff. Yeah, yeah. But, I don't think he's going to want to, especially when he, say, for example, when all these other teams catch up and maybe overtake Red Bull's dominance with more advanced cars, faster cars. I don't think he's going to want to stick around. I don't think he's got the same drive like Lewis Hamilton or like the, the Michael Schumacher, who wanted to build a team from the ground effectively up. I don't think he's got that in him. I think he'd just want to go off and try his hand at other things while he's still young enough. He's a different breed of racing driver, as it were. I feel like Lewis Hamilton was the last of the old guard in the sense that that's what their ambition is, to be at the top of their game, stick with it, be a top of the sport for a while and retire at their peak, you know? Mm. I don't think he's like here's, that. Here's my question, and I think that this is kind of... I was I was sat thinking about this watching the podium. Obviously, as you said, it's a it's a veteran podium. Um, let's call it the Zimmer frame podium with the exception of Max Verstappen. Um, he's an old soul. Do we do we write off Formula One drivers before they're potentially ready? And I think that's that's obviously a debate that always gets it, the Red Bull Junior team always gets brought up. But is there something in the sport where you know we've we've said it countless times? Watching Fernando Alonso continually improve and develop, or watching Lewis Hamilton again take a step and elevate himself, and and they're not exactly spring chickens, for lack of a a better expression. Do we do we maybe write off Formula One drivers at too young an age and, and are a bit too critical of their mistakes? I know there's a big revolving door around Formula One. There's only a certain number of seats and there's thousands of racing drivers. But I, I just I just couldn't help and, and sit and think there and go, you know, what would have happened if the other drivers had gotten their extra five years? And and, and Alex Olbin's a good example of that. Yeah. You know, he's he's yeah. had the rise and fall and he's still relatively young. Well, Gasly as well. He's on the rise again. Gasly mm-hmm. as well. So I don't know what you guys think about that, but that was definitely something that got me thinking. I feel like not only like I, to go off on your first point there, writing off people when they're too young and stuff, the media does play a bit of part in that and it gets like a, a bit of a hype train going and then it almost gets in the driver's heads and that I feel like that perpetuates the problem for them. But also, especially in this sport, if you don't like perform, then the team loses money. And then of course, it's just going to be a business decision at that point. It's not going to be a, uh, yeah, you know, you've got potential and stuff. It's going to be Oh my god! Look at my wallet. It, it, it's it's running thin. At you go. Get something else in. That's, that's just the nature of it. it it's cutthroat. That is exactly it, though, isn't it? Uh, when when Hamilton came into Formula One, when Alonso came into Formula One, okay, Hamilton came in with a great car straight away. Was able to perform and challenge. Mm. He was he was up there from the get go. Alonso was in a Minardi, a backmarker team, but still showed what he had yeah. and actually took a year off and then came back and and was forget that and yeah, no, yeah. that's why i'm yeah. the commentator yeah. and then <laughs> see i would have forgot that on the broadcast probably but yeah. uh, <laughs> just, right, hang on, let me check my notes uh, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. uh but he came back and, and was really showing his stuff whereas whereas if you don't perform or show enough glimpse of your talent then i think you are going to get cast aside albon had shown, I think, enough of uh, talent for Red Bull to want to try and find him a place, but he only got the Williams seat, I think, because Red Bull were pushing for him. And similar for Gasly, you know, he went back to uh, Toro Rosso stroke Alpha Tauri. So, you know, for everything uh, we we scream about Red Bull being brutal and cut for it, they were actually, you know, kind of nice to those two. They kept them, they kept yeah. their careers alive when many they just tossed aside Callan O'Keefe and, and said, thank you very much. <laughs> goodbye. And you know, stab in the back. Thank you very much. See you later. No, real friends stab you in the front, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least they looked you in the eye then, did they? Um, exactly. but, but also, I think the one thing to caveat all of that is 
back then, I think there were maybe less, um, what's the word? I don't want to say opportunities, but there was less on offer. There weren't as many young drivers. There weren't as many feeder series that were coming up mm. and, you know, loads of young, talented races coming from all sorts of countries and all sorts of different Formula 4s and Formula 3s and all this kind of thing. Now, they're almost inundated with talent and, and teams that have these... Um, junior programs that are signing talent all the way down to karting now whereas i don't think that was there before so if you don't get signed by karting it's almost like well good luck and it is a, it's a different generation isn't it like now if you're 14 years old and you're not the european or world senior karting yeah. champion emphasis on the word senior they go oh are you sure you're good enough and mm. and you know it was it was kind of rare to see people enter formula one with their era before they were sort of 25 were they now it's like well you're seven you're knocking on the door 17 18 now it's got to be the time where you got to win f2 and, and that was all that's know. all the verstappen effect though right it is, it is very much so. look with us speaking so. of nick devries a lot when he came into formula one you know more experienced older everyone was like oh god you know in his late late 20s and it's like he's in his late 20s get the guy a break <laughs> I don't, hypocritical coming from me, but give the guy a break. Come yeah. on. Everyone other than me, give Nick a break. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, look, no, I, I think I think there's there's lots of ways, isn't there? That I think every side is valid, but it it is nice to create a bit of a narrative for the other side to say, you know, why why is it Formula One is, is drivers are written off by the time they're thirty? There's it's not a it's not a necessarily a very physical sport in the way of like others where you do have a physical peak. You know, once you're fit enough to drive a Formula One car, as long as you maintain it you can stay there into your 40s as as other drivers have shown and yeah I, I think it's it's interesting to see how talent and drivers develop as the generations go on as well like as i said the, the big one for me really is alonso and hamilton they've they've really mm. elevated themselves again and yeah it's it's interesting to see where they can take it if the car can develop to 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 hopefully the levels that aston martin and mercedes are looking for yeah, I mean, I completely agree that, yes, motorsport is, is, is performance-driven and wanting to make sure they optimize the amount of time they get out of a very talented driver. But you've also got to realize that or acknowledge that that's quite often the same with quite a lot of other industries as well. Like, say, take, for example, acting, right? So everyone's always looking for that next big young talent that they're going to follow for their life. You've got the, the Harry Potters, you, well, Daniel Radcliffe, sorry. You've got the... Uh, Devin Butler. Do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice, thanks. Um, but no, you've got like, Tom Hollands and stuff. Everyone's looking and the media's like, oh my God, look at this young talent. They're amazing. It sells. But yes, of course, and you've got the motorsport aspects, you've got the increased response times, etc. You've got the performance element, but... It happens everywhere. And if you feel like in your mid-20s and you're like, oh, I'm not really succeeding and stuff, and you feel like that's the me what the media is going to think about you and perpetual cycle, but I guess everyone's always looking for the hot new thing. Well, and one final point on this as well is that some drivers can cannot show what they're doing in Formula One, but then get a chance in another category and suddenly they're ace. Look at Antonio yeah, Giovinazzi, exactly. just won 24 hours of Le Mans with Ferrari. Marcus Ericsson won the Indy 500, should have won it again this year, arguably, yeah. up there fighting for the IndyCar Drivers' Championship. Uh, suddenly, the guy that was finishing 17th in a Sauber or a Caterham is is fighting up there with with still some pretty pretty good drivers and high level of driving talent. So it's the awe around Formula One, isn't it? You know what? I read something online when Giovinazzi won the 24 hour. They were like, is Giovinazzi more successful in the Ferrari than Charles Leclerc? Yes. Ooh. <laughs> oh. Hot topic. Hot how, much, how much weight does Le Mans hold? Yeah, quite yeah, a lot. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Quite a lot. If Charles had won Monaco by now, then it might have oh, been 
might have been different. But let's yeah. not go down that rabbit hole. No, that's um, a whole different Crying in Italian Wait, subtitles. This is, it, was <laughs> a really, it was really, that's a really good talking point that you bring up. And actually, uh, some of the, uh, some of you lot have been getting involved on Twitter at WTF1 uh, official, um, talking about Alex Albon saying, well, he's clearly showcasing. He's the leader of that team. He's spearheading it. He should be in a faster car. But I'm thinking, actually, well, well, hang on, <laughs> slow down. Like he was, and he wasn't that great. Let him just stay in that Williams, lead the team forward. He's doing well. Surely that that's the right decision for him to be there right now. I feel like Red Bull might not have been the best place for him anyway. The team ethos and the pressure like that you have behind you. Maybe if he was in a Merc or something, he would have been fighting for a lot more points positions as it were and not tangling with Hamilton so much but um, <laughs> it's true it's true he hit him yeah. a hell of a lot I'm not saying whose no. fault it was but it's true um, but yeah I, I feel oh. like if he went yeah. to another team he might be might have had a different outcome yeah it's, it's it's like anything isn't it it's it's the team of people you can put around you but also the team that yeah. you have around you and it's we always say it every single time it's a sport of fine margins it's one mm. mistake away from a big, big accident bill and zero points and loss of money or, you know, greatness and an amazing lap that no one's ever seen before. So let's, let's, we'll, we'll come back to this at some point, I think. I think this is going to be another talking point throughout the yeah. rest of the year, hopefully. It really will be. We've got some uh, podcasts to do that aren't happening on race weekend. So we'll definitely get stuck into that topic. Um, now, there was a lot of talk in the stewards room this weekend. Uh, lots of penalties. We've mentioned the Nick DeVries and the Kevin Magnuson incident didn't come to anything. Uh, but there were quite a lot of unsafe releases or, well, what people thought were unsafe releases. They were certainly investigated for being unsafe. Uh, Norris, uh, Alonso, Hamilton, particularly the Alonso Hamilton one was, was kind of close but then Alonso maybe slightly exaggerating it with his he steering wheel for that one. <laughs> some great acting that's, that's, that's verified that's accurate yeah. proof yeah. Yeah. I watched that and I was like come there, on yeah. the guy come on he just went, oh no so you and don't you, saw, you don't think the stewards were, were being uh, too lenient the, the, that was the right no, call not to give a there was nothing yeah. in that yeah no even it, it's funny when I saw after the race I don't think they showed it during the, the, uh, the actual stream on, on the F1 channel it's um Obviously, Toto taking the mick out of him. I was like, oh, yes, maybe a bit far taking the mick of him when his camera's around. But I I agree with the sentiment that that was, it was just for show. Alonso just did that like, oh, no, look at that. It's the the radio messages for me afterwards. It's the equivalent of like the footballer falling over and like no contact or holding the leg, rolling over. Did you see what he, and if it was the roles were reversed, it would have been, no, it's fine. It's just, you know, it's just classic Formula One. but. It's true. Nothing, just an incident. That's all it was, you know? <laughs> Horrific. Right, well, okay. <laughs> Clearly, we don't think that the stewards and tea leaders... I like, I, I like having Adam on this. <laughs> you wait. You know, yeah, why don't you just alternate each week? It's Adam one week, Devon the yeah. next. Adam one oh, week, okay. Devon the next. Oh, <laughs> yes. Um, censoring going on in that one. Yeah. Uh, look, it's time for our WTF1 podium, don't, please. Don't do it. It is time. Harry, we don't, uh, we, we don't have to do the loser though, do we? We can just no, we can just do the winner. No, 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 no. We would like from everybody. Right, Devin, calm down. Right. A star performer, <laughs> next week. a worst performer, me. and a biggest surprise performer of the yeah. Grand Prix. Please, who wants to go first? Any takers? Adam can go first. Adam, start me first. Already. So What's I would your... like your star performer first, please. Alex Albon. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean that's a unanimous decision that one. Yes, sure, he had upgrades in the car, but he made it work. Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm Albon as well, Callan. Yeah, 
I'm I say I'm going to do something different like you did mm. last week. I'm going to go for for Max Verstappen driving a car with with no because he a, was with a hindered. dead bird in it. He he actually had a hindrance this week and still won. And Alex will get a mention later on, obviously. But if we all say the same thing, that's not very interesting. Is it? So I'm going to go with with Max Verstappen and um, yeah, and his three wheeled Red Bull. Can you educate me on this? When the bird struck his car, was there much damage? Like I, I didn't actually see the car. I just heard that the bird hit him. I don't think there was actually so much bodywork damage. No. It, it, it? What, basically, what happens is they have the, as, as far as I'm aware, and, and feel free to correct me, anyone who's listening, you have the, the brake dust that, ducts that are used for cooling. They're used to keep the brakes yep. in the optimum temperature window. Now, normally stuff involved with cooling, when you involve either tape, which sometimes gets left on, you see it sometimes in like Formula 2 where they leave the tape, they, they blank them to bring them up to temperature and they forget to rip them off before the start of the race. The brakes overheat and catch fire. But especially if you add, you know, dead animal remains, I'm pretty sure that if he's um, <laughs> taken a bird and and hit it at high speed in the Formula One car, there would be some remains of a of a you know of a bird in there, which would affect temperature and would affect performance. And that you know it was a it's it's a massive braking circuit, so for sure they would have maybe not necessarily in the way of bodywork, but he would have definitely felt it in the car with a, a lack of braking performance. Well, as uh... far as I'm aware. No, no, that sounds pretty, pretty yeah. legit. And you, you made that sound. If there was good. damage, fair. Yeah, but I just didn't. Yeah. I didn't see it. He was just well. He had I'm just his covering his... myself here. I'm just <laughs> hoping that that's the way because <laughs> I got lit up for saying Verstappen because everyone's bored of him. <laughs> well, those are our uh, our star performers then. So Verstappen very much um, getting it yep. for Callan there, and he got himself a post race snack too. Uh, worst performers, <laughs> please. <laughs> I'll go first this time. Uh, because we all know where I'm going and I'm sorry I am sorry I'm really sorry Nick DeVries I agree last and a a clash that didn't need to happen and just nothing very wow about him I'm sorry I'm I'm sorry Nick no it has to be Nick we are unbiased and we have to say it is Nick it is and and unfortunately we keep trying to defend him and it's it's not getting any better I'm going to still stay on the side of it's going to magically click into place and hopefully he's going to be able to show something but yeah this this weekend once again it was it was troop waffle Nick you can't get around it he didn't perform well no agrees it is okay right Biggest surprise performer of the Grand Prix, Sivu Play, Adam. Well, I don't, I don't want to say him again, but Alex Albon, he, he was a surprise performer. He, hang on, he hang on, hang on, hang on. Didn't you put Albon for your star performer? Yeah, are we allowed to do that? Are Ooh, those the rules? I don't know. What do we think, Callum? I don't think those are the rules. No, I don't think you're allowed that. <sighs> you can't have him on the podium twice. We all. should have really <laughs> explained the rules. But as we said before, this is pretty much carnage. So we just decide things as they happen. Definitely and those rules don't rules. fly here. Yeah. <laughs> no, we're, we're vetoing oh, okay. that. You are not allowed Albon again. So come on. Oh, all right. Well, hang on. We'll, give you, back we'll give you time to think. So Callum... Yeah. Let's have your so, biggest prize performer. Honorable mention to Ferrari for not messing up a pit strategy. Yeah, biggest surprise. Hey, honorable mention. However, my my star star performer of the weekend was Alban. That's why. Oh, sorry, my surprise performer. That's why he wasn't oh, my star I performer. See. Because I, if someone would have said to me on Saturday morning that he was going to do what he did in qualifying, I would have said absolutely not. Mm. And then if someone would have said to me on Sunday morning that he's actually going to stay there in the race, I would have said absolutely not. So. 
definitely my surprise performer and and equally could have been my star performer on to you adam now you've bought yourself some time uh, I think we're still yet to hear from uh, a certain host of the podcast. We can buy you some more time. That's fine. Let's buy me some more time. I'm having a th- I'm having a think. I'm, uh, well, Harry. I mean, it was an honourable mention for Ferrari and I'm giving it to uh, Leclerc, actually, uh, in, as an individual, um, just because I think he... Oh, I don't have any real reason why Leclerc. I probably should have just said Ferrari, really, in general. You because... just, you just like the Tribune helmet. That's all it was. He was... It was all that lovely Tribune helmet. He was eventually and... allowed to have. No, I backtrack. I'm going to go Ferrari, Ferrari in general, okay. because Sainz was up there too, and Leclerc um, did. Well, he should have overruled the team in qualifying. He didn't. Uh, but unlike Sainz, he didn't impede lots of people. But Ferrari in general, good turnaround. Okay, got a solid answer. Honourable mention, Daniel Ricciardo, right? Hear me out. Actually. George Russell was lining up, ready to go on circuit. (laughs) Daniel rented a two-bedroom flat right at the front of his frenial cortex. Frenial cortex? (laughs) (laughs) That didn't say that right at all. (laughs) Renting a (laughs) bed. He got in his head, effectively. Radio cortex. You tried to sound so smart. You absolutely butchered it. You were one line away from perfection. I know. When you're acting, you could do a redo of a take and stuff. I'm not going to do that. pesky sausage We could allow you to redo that. We could bend you the editor. could make that sound good, but I'm not going to allow it. I'm not going to allow it. All right. He's living. He lived rent free in his head. Frontal lobe. <laughs> Daniel Ricciardo was in there. He put him off. So for those of you who didn't see, he made a little gesture towards George Russell before he went on to track. He put him off for the whole weekend. But if we are going to get serious here, Valtteri Bottas. Okay. Alpha Tauri. He's been at the back in the grid. Romeo. Scoring. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm, all, I'm fluffing my lines. I'm fluffing my lines. Oh. And scene. Yeah. And again, who's this? <laughs> all right. We're getting to the end now. <laughs> yeah, no, that Alfa Romeo was a bit at the back of the grid, scoring barely any points, if at all. I don't know where they are at the minute. Well, but yeah, well, he came tenth. Yeah, I, I, I see where you're coming Solid from points. on that. I do. Joe scored mm. points last time out, but Alfa Romeo have had a pretty mm. torrid time of it. Uh, well, look, all right then. We, we kind of run over time. If you liked the show, <laughs> uh, please leave us a review, like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Um, positive reviews only. They really help people find the show. Negative reviews don't help anyone but yourself. Um, thank you, Callan O'Keefe, as always. I've been Harry Benjamin. We will be back for another post-race podcast in a couple of weeks' time. Austria is next up, home of Red Bull. Will they make it 101 Grand Prix wins? Probably. Yep. we wait and see what happens. Uh, but in the meantime, we will also have other podcasts coming out on the WTF1 Network, Hot Takes Wednesday. Me and Callan will be back next week for a non-race week podcast if I can pin Callan down. But all that is left to say is au revoir. Goodbye. Ciao. No, 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 no. (laughs) We end every show with goodbye in whatever country we've just been in. Well, you didn't tell me that, did you? They don't say ciao in bloody Canada. That's what Devin Butler says. I'll tell you what they do say in Canada, though, as their greeting, because they're like half obviously it's half Canada, uh, half France. It's yeah. always like, uh, bonjour, hi, like every time. So I'm going to say... Do you want to do a retake? Au revoir. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye.